Hi guys, welcome to Code Blue, the podcast to guide junior doctors through the first years of training and also an RMOA Blacktown Hospital initiative. For those who have listened to the previous two podcasts, uh, you would know that my name is Kripman. And for those who are new to the podcast, I'd just like to introduce myself again. My name is Kripman. I'm a current resident at Blacktown Hospital. And today I'm actually really excited because I'm joined by my good friend, a fellow colleague, a fellow resident at Blacktown Hospital, Kanwal Singh. How are you, Kanwal? Uh, hey, very good. Thanks. Thanks for the introduction, Kripman. And thanks for having me on the podcast. Very no, excited to be here. Same. So glad we could get you on the pod. And I think this is an episode which is actually very requested by a lot of JMOs, especially those working in ED. So for those who don't know, we're actually going to be covering um, having a pod on a bit more about pediatric focus today. We'll be looking at looking at history, physical examination and how to manage some common conditions in uh, children while you're working in the emergency department. Um, and Kanwal Singh here, he's... Um, he has well he's working in the emergency or will be working in the emergency department and he's currently on pediatrics at the moment so i think this will be a very valuable insight yeah so i think you know in at all stages of your career you will have to um deal with children um especially you know as an intern uh, when you're in the emergency department especially in in mount Druitt or bathurst there is a pediatric component to that so um it's good if you um are familiar with how to um, manage common um, pediatric presentations um, and, and how to approach children because there are some differences um, when you're um, talking to children as opposed to uh, adults. Definitely, man. And I really wish that I had a bit more exposure in peds before I worked, especially in Mount Ed, where like I think up to 50% of the presentations are actually pediatrics which is another reason why Mantra ED counts as part of the GP training program requirement for pediatrics if you work there, just because of the sheer volume of pediatric cases. So I really wish I had a bit more information uh, before I actually started there. So it's really good that you're on the pod. Um, now, Kanwal, before, before we jump, jump straight into it, uh, me and Myth, when, when we record the pod, we like to um, just get started with talking a bit more about mental health and well-being and, and just really try to promote that because it is a very, very important aspect of working as a junior doctor um is there anything you've done for yourself this week which really has made you feel better about your own mental health yeah i completely agree i think you know it's very important to maintain a good work-life balance um you know especially in in our profession which can be quite stressful at times where we're working quite long hours so for Mm -hmm. myself personally um well, a couple of days ago, I attended uh, a wedding from uh, from a good friend of mine from from university. Oh, nice. um, so that was, you know, a great way to unwind. Um, um, and and I was able to catch up with a few of my friends who were visiting from interstate, which was great because I haven't seen them for like a couple of years now. Yeah. Um, so that was one thing. The other thing has been I recently bought a ukulele, so I've been trying to. Oh, awesome! <laughs> I've been trying to learn how to play that. Damn, um, that's awesome! Yeah, yeah. So, how about yourself, Kripman? Have you done anything recently that you'd like um, to share? Nothing super exciting. It'd just be regular things, but these regular things really help me. 
um, include things like going to the gym, going for a walk. I, I also like to catch up with a couple of friends for a cup of coffee now and then. So that's always really therapeutic. Just get away from the work environment and talk about regular day-to-day life um, and also debrief and de-stress about work-related issues as well. So uh, I think that's really helped me personally. Yeah, that's awesome. And I understand that you play a lot of basketball as well. Is that right? <laughs> uh, back in uni and stuff, I really did, but haven't haven't played much recently. I'll just go go to the hoops and shoot around now and then. So if anyone's listening and would like to play basketball, please hit me up. I'm always super excited and keen to play some ball. (laughs) Sounds good. Sounds good. All right, let's jump straight into it. So from my personal experiences of working with children and working in the Mount Druitt uh, Emergency Department, I understand that taking the history and a physical examination of a child is actually different to uh, when you compare with an adult and, you, and you're working up an adult in terms of a patient. I understand that um, sometimes your history is actually a lot more dependent on collateral where you're actually relying on the patient's uh, patient, but also if the patient's too young, are uh, relying on the parent's aspect as to what's going on as well. I think, I think we should just start talking about like how to take a good history and, and do a good physical exam um, on a pediatric case. Uh, do you want to jump into that, Conwell? Yeah, you're absolutely right, Kripman. Um, I think for, for most of the interns, the, the times where you'll be dealing with children is the emergency department. So I think mm-hmm. even before you pick up the patient, um, just reading the triage notes and, and getting an understanding of, of, of why they've come in, um, there, there can often be a wealth of information in the triage notes, you know, getting an idea of what their age is, reading through any previous notes, whether they've come in before to the emergency department, what their past mm-hmm. medical history and, and those kind of things is mm-hmm. like before even seeing the patient. That can be um, very valuable information. Yep. Uh, when you see the patient themselves, like you said, there are some differences with taking history and physical exam. I always like to, before um, taking uh, a history of physical exam, try to establish a bit of rapport with the child. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I think if they're an older child, it's okay to, you know, just, uh, you know, talk to them and say, you know, how are you, how are you going? Who have you brought with you today? Rather than like, I actually like to involve the child before the parent, him, like the parent themselves sometimes, yeah. if they're yeah. a bit older. Obviously, if they're yep. a baby, then you're going to be talking to the parents. Um, yep. In terms of history, there are some similarities. Like I said, you go through just the basic history. So history of presenting complaint. Um, mm-hmm. And then you you can ask them about their past medical history, their past yep. surgical history, um, yep. <clears throat> if they have any allergies. Mm-hmm. So all those kind of things that are similar to what you do normally. Um, there are yep. a few differences that you, uh, you know, in pediatrics, we like to ask, especially if they're younger, about their birth history. So where they yep. were what born. Yep. So like, for example, where they were born, how many weeks gestation were they born at? Um, did they require any special care nursery admission or uh, NICU admission at all? Um, okay. And what was the reason for that, if so? Um, and were there any co- other complications at birth? And, yeah. and also whether they were like a normal spontaneous vaginal delivery or whether they were a cesarean section, um, yeah. do they require any kind of instrumentation for delivery, those kind of things. Um, okay. The other things we like to ask are um, immunizations. Um, yeah, very important. So, you know, you can always refer to the National Immunization Handbook to know um, what kind of immunizations you'd expect children to have at certain ages. 
Yeah. Um, so you can see if they're up to date with the immunizations or whether they're due for any particular immunizations soon. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the other things are um, just uh, their growth and development is very important as well. So, um, you know, we learn in med school that developmental milestones that are different mm-hmm. um, categories of that, like speech, um, motor skills, social yep. skills, those kind of things. So you can ask a few questions with regards to those as well. Like, are they, are they walking? Are they talking? Are they smiling? Mm-hmm. Uh, responding to social cues? Are they drawing? If so, are they drawing straight lines or circles? Um, yep. If they're talking, are they, are they babbling? Are they speaking in single words? Are they joining two words together? Um, yep. And in terms of their growth as well, you can always ask the parents if they have any, um, you know, concerns with regards to their growth, their height, their weight, those kind of things. Yep. Just going back to the milestones, which you said, which is also very important, it kind of gives you a good understanding as to where the child is uh, at in terms of their mental development. Yeah. Do you have any kind of system that you remember you are the child is meant to do this particular thing between this, uh, this, these particular ages? Do you have yeah. any way of remembering that? Or yeah, do you, I mean, is there any way to find out more information or where's a good, good resource to find out, um, find out these milestones? That's a very good point. I think it can be very difficult to mm-hmm. memorize because all of those five categories and, and the different age groups, you need to be doing different things. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that I learned in med school was in terms of their motor skills. Um, yep. For example, like when, when, they're, when, they're being, when they're able to sit, stand, those kind of things. Yep. A, a good way I learned to, to remember this, excuse me, is um, every three months, if you think of like um, the human body, so you've got your knees, your hips, your chest, yep. um, and your feet. So every, every three months is basically going from one, uh, section of the body to the other. So at three months, you would expect someone to be on their chest kind of thing when they're okay. mobilized. So they, uh, and then uh, at six months, you would expect them to be um, on their hips. So you might okay. expect them to be able to uh, sit at that stage independently. At nine yep. months, so three months later, you'd be on their knees. So they might be able to crawl at that stage. And then at yep. 12 months, which is another three months later, you'd expect them to be on their feet. So they'd be um, possibly standing and walking at that stage. Um, so awesome. that's one useful kind of thing that I learned in med school. Yeah. Um, I'm actually not familiar with any particular resources, um, you know, but, but these, these uh, like in terms of, um, check, in, ch- in terms of checking, uh, you know, the, the milestones and things, but it's all quite readily available online. If you just yep. search up developmental milestones, there are plenty of resources available, I'm sure. I really like the three-month point you made. That's actually really handy. I did not know that before, so yeah, it's thanks just for bringing that, that up. Stuck, yeah. And um, and from my knowledge and my own anecdotal experience, working working with children, there's actually a lot of rapport. You also have to build up with a pa- uh, with a uh, patient's parents as well, um, and quite a lot of the time. Um, parents are also quite distressed understandably you've got a young child in the emergency department it's not an environment where you should really be seeing a child so do you have any tips in terms of um, reassuring the uh, parents of the child as well yeah I think that's a very good point and often children um, are quite perceptive of what you're doing when you're talking to the their parents as well so Mm -hmm. you know one way of establishing rapport with the child is actually just having a good interaction with the parent themselves. Yep. 
Um, and like you said, reassuring the parent is, you know, a very big part of pediatrics um, because understandably they're often quite worried. Um, yes. I think um, just, um, you know, after you've obviously assessed the child and taken a history and mm -hmm. worked out what's, what's happening, um, if, if you think it's just something benign, being able to reassure them is very important. So, um, you know, just educating them about things like um, fever, what it means, for example, mm -hmm. um, and uh, just basically educating them about what, what, why they're unwell and, yep. and what they can do at home when they go home in terms of um, uh, keeping an eye out for them and, 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 and seeing if there's any red flags um, yep. so they know when to bring the child back. Great. Thanks for that, man. Yeah. Um, after the history, obviously, it's the physical exam. Um, any tips for, for performing a physical examination on a child? Yeah, that's right. So, um, you know, obviously, just coming, sorry, just coming back to the history, obviously, you'd, oh, yep. you'd complete, you know, all the family history section and mm -hmm. um, uh, social history as well is very important in children. So you would, you know, ask about sick contacts, whether they attend daycare, um, who else is at home with them at the moment, whether there's any smokers in the household. Those are all very important things to ask as well in the history. But like you said, physical examination is very important in children, and that's where, you know, you're going to get a lot of clues with regards to their diagnosis. Yep. Um, so, you know, always start off with a general inspection first when I say mm -hmm. child. So is there any things that you can think of, Crippman, that you would say, you know, when you're, when you're, when you're seeing a child, when, when you're looking at the general inspection point of view? Um, I just, I went, first when I look at them, my initial assessment is to see, well, do they look well or do they look unwell? And that kind of dictates the importance and the urgency of the rest of the management for me personally. So in terms of if they're like crying or if they look very agitated um, and they're not being able to be settled quickly, um, it kind of indicates that, oh, maybe the child is unwell. That's uh, my initial uh, initial point of contact in terms of the physical examination uh, when I see them. Other kind of things I look at would be like if they maybe query cyanotic in terms of their lips, how if they have, um, I guess, dry mucosal membranes. Um, yeah, that's, that's where I would probably be start at with the kids. Yeah, definitely. I think that's a very uh, good assessment. So, you know, looking at their color firstly, do they look mm -hmm. jaundiced? Do they look mottled? Do they look pale? Do they look mm -hmm. cyanosed? Um, and then looking at their level of consciousness, obviously, there are different ways yep. to assess that. You can use the GCS, you can use the AVCU score as well. Um, yep. And just looking at um, how alert and interactive they are. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously, you know, for example, if you're seeing a two-year-old and they're lying in bed sleeping, um, you know, most most commonly you'd expect a two-year-old to be running around the emergency department. Definitely. And uh, laughing and screaming and that kind of thing. So. I always like, I like to ask the parents as well, is that normal for the child? Are they normally like quite sleepy and yeah. you know, a bit reserved or are they normally quite act active and playful, that kind of, that kind yep. of thing? Um, and then after that, um, I think the most important thing with pediatric exams is establishing good rapport and also being opportunistic with the examination. So mm -hmm. trying not trying to leave the most unsettling things till last, for example, looking in their throat or their ears, or if, if you're doing a newborn check, you know, doing the reflexes like the Moro reflex and whatnot, I would yep. generally, or, or doing the Ottolani's or Bala's assessment, I would generally try to leave that till the end. Yep. Um, 
and you know if they're for example if they're holding a teddy bear you might want to just have a quick listen to the teddy bear first before listening yep. <laughs> to their chest you know that puts them at a bit of ease yep um other than that you know basic you know focused physical examination like you would do with um any kind of adult mm-hmm. um so you know like you said hydration is quite big in children especially if they're yep. coming with a gastroenteritis or a bronchiolitis so mm-hmm. looking at their mucous membranes, if they're younger, looking at their fontanelles, looking at their skin turgor, um, those kind of things. Um, anthropometry is an important aspect of pediatrics as well. So looking at their growth, yeah. um, their head circumference, height, weight, plotting those against the charts and seeing if they're crossing any centiles at all. Yep. Um, but yeah, other than that, just a focused physical exam, I guess. Definitely. And guys, if you get stuck at any point while you're working in the emergency department where you're most likely to be working with children, <laughs> I think I, I personally had a very low threshold in terms of asking for help when it came to children. And I think everyone else should also maybe get into this habit to ask for help early because I think going to med school, et cetera, you don't have an awful lot of exposure to pediatrics. So sometimes it is unfamiliar. Um, so yeah, I personally had a very low threshold for asking for help yeah, I think that's very important, you know, being able to, especially like children are not always easy to manage. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, having a bit of extra help is always quite handy, especially when you're uh, examining a child or uh, yep. possibly um, even um, performing procedures on children as well. Often mm-hmm. um, you do need a quite a lot of assistance with those things. Yeah, like I remember putting pediatric cannulas in and I'd actually <laughs> need the assistance from the nurses and from the uh, patient's parents as well just to calm and settle the child, have a distraction, have a movie playing or a song playing in the background. So asking for help is very, very important in this situation. Yeah. Um, we, we briefly touched on management as well before we mentioned the word management. Um, would you like to go through like, I guess, basic management for some common, common diseases or some common situations you would, you would see in the emergency department, such as, uh, I don't know, maybe like a management of a, um, asthma exacerbation or a febrile or a febrile seizure? Yeah, sure. So, um, I'm quite wary of the time, so we'll try to, um, you know, just go through some of the more common things. Like you mentioned, um, uh, acute asthma exacerbations and viral induced wheezes are very common, especially with, you know, winter just around the corner. Um, mm-hmm. we, you know, you, we expect more people to be coming in with uh, respiratory infections and, and asthmas and whatnot. Yeah. Um, so in terms of uh, in terms of assessing these children, I think um, the most important thing is being able to um, stratify how. Uh, how severe their asthma is when they come in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there are uh, a few tables and flowcharts online um, yep. to determine, you know, the severity of the asthma. But in a nutshell, we look at things like their work of breathing. Yep. Um, so are there any things that you can think of, Kripman, that um, could suggest increased work of breathing in a child, for example? Um, yeah, definitely. Well, it depends how old the child is, but if they're like norm- if they're a bit older, you look at how they're interacting with you. If they're like speaking in full sentences, or if they're speaking in like just words in short sentences, or just not able to get the breath out, which indicates how their work of breathing is at. Also, some other physical signs, however, you can look at are things like um, tracheal tug, and if they're using um, any of their accessory muscles, or if they if they have like abdominal breathing, or if they're actually 
um, using the normal normal breathing mechanisms. Um, those are the things that I would uh, look at in terms of physical exam. Yeah, that's really good. So things like tracheal tag, subcostal recessions, intercostal mm-hmm. recessions in some younger children, um, nasal flaring and head bobbing as well are all signs of kind of respiratory distress and increased work of breathing. Yeah. Um, other than those, you said, you know, their ability to speak in full sentences, their respiratory rate, their oxygen saturations, um, those are kind of, and they're just their general mental state. Those are kind of what we mainly look at when we're assessing the risk, uh, their, their, their severity of the asthma. Yeah. And um, in terms of chest auscultation as well, um, you know, wheeze is not the most reliable indicator for the severity of asthma. However, yeah. we, one thing we do look at a lot is the air entry in the chest. So, okay. um, for example, if somebody has a silent chest, that would be uh, an example of uh, a feature of quite critical life-threatening asthma. Mm-hmm. poor entry. Yeah. Um, in terms of managing these children, so after, so the most important thing is stratifying whether they're low risk or high risk. Yeah. Um, and then in terms of severity and then basing your management off that. So, um, you know, if they're quite, um, uh, if, if they're not that high risk, then you can just manage them with, um, just some salbutamol, um, yeah. just through a, a metered dose inhaler for a spacer, mm-hmm. um, so we can we, we often use burst and, and stretch therapy. So we can give a burst of salbutamol, which involves giving them, depending on their age, if they're six years old, we can give them, if they're up to six years old, we can give six puffs. If they're greater than mm-hmm. six years old, we can give 12 puffs. Yep. And giving that every 20 minutes for a, uh, for one hour in total. Yep. And then reassessing them and seeing if they can be stretched. Yep. So can you, can you just quickly, I know we obviously have time constraints as well, but do you want to quickly just touch base on stretching as well? Um, I remember I encountered this term a lot while working in the emergency department, and, if you, and I'm sure a lot of you will also encounter this. Do you want to just quickly touch base on how to stretch um, yeah. in terms of asthma exacerbation? Yeah, that's right. So, um, so stretching is basically when you decide whether somebody can um, go without their Ventolin for a certain amount of time. So mm-hmm. basically the discharge criteria for children with asthma is to be able to stretch them to three hours, so three hours mm-hmm. without needing any Ventolin. Mm-hmm. So that's similar to things to what I mentioned before. So you, you assess them just before they're requiring the Ventolin mm-hmm. uh, due for the next dose and you see um, basically their general mental state, whether they have any increased work of breathing, what their air entry is like. If you think they've got, you know, some tracheal tugging or abdominal breathing or their air entry is a bit tight, yep. um, then you would, you know, give them some Ventolin there and then. Yep. Um, but if you think that they're, they're, they've just got a little bit of a wheeze, but they're otherwise not working too hard with their breathing, you can decide to stretch them. So you can say, okay, um, I can stretch this child to maybe two hourly Ventolin now. So I'll review them again in maybe half an hour or an hour and see how they are. Yep. Awesome. Now, that's really handy because I remember when I first got there, I was like, uh, I don't know when to stretch, how to stretch, but I did get some good advice from the seniors. So thank you. Thank you for that. I'm yeah. sure that will be very, very handy for the people working in ED at the moment. Yeah. Um, now you've, you've mentioned all excellent, excellent points. You've gone through how to take a good history, how to take a good physical exam and how to manage probably arguably one of the most common things you'll see in while working with children. 
where where can you find more information about these um, conditions and um, more more resources? Just if you're working in the emergency department and you just want to get a quick like guideline, where where would you um, go to access this? Yeah, so there's a lot of resources available online. So mm-hmm. uh, RCH guidelines are, which I'm sure a lot of you are familiar with. Um, yep. It basically stands for Royal Children's Hospital. It's one of the main children's hospitals in Melbourne. So they have a lot of mm-hmm. clinical guidelines for pediatrics. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. So the ones that um, we're actually able to use. So, so there's there's a little symbol on top of some of the guidelines that says PIC, mm-hmm. um, which is I think Pediatric Initiative Collaborative or something like that, um, yep. which basically means that we're able to use those guidelines in New South Wales. Yep. So that's one great resource um, and other resources that we commonly use are um, in terms of looking up dosages for medications, um, mm-hmm. just on the intranet page, um, there is meds for kids, um, yep. which is, which is great because it tells you exactly, um, you know, what, it, because a lot of the dosages for kids are both age and weight based. So we look at, so it tells you exactly, you know, what the dosage should be depending on their weight and how, what the maximum dose you can give to children of a certain age is and how yep. often to give it. Yep. So those are two resources I've found quite valuable. Great. Are there any Thank others you. that you are familiar with, Pritman, or? Uh, I personally just use RCH guidelines. I found them to be very, very handy. Um, and I think there was a NETS calculator online as well for calculating dosages, yeah. et cetera, yeah. um, which I used a bit as well while yeah. working in the emergency department. Yeah. Um, but no, those are the two mainstay um, resources and they're quite reliable and they're used Australia-wide as well. And, of course, the most, the most important resource, I guess, is your senior pediatrician who you call when you need further help. Definitely, definitely. And in yeah. pediatrics, you're always quite well supported. People are always quite willing to help you when there's kids involved, I feel. Um, definitely. So registrars, consultants um, are always there to help out if need be. Lovely. Thank you so much, Carmel. That was actually really handy. And I'm sure everyone listening would find this information very helpful. Like I have said before, and I'd like to reiterate, working with children is a bit different than working with adults. And it's an area where we're not exposed to too much. I think it's a very important and vital skill to have, given that you will be working with children at some point in your life. So thank you so much, Carmel. Um, And if you guys see Carmel on the wards, Please give him a big thank you for this uh, podcast as well, for volunteering time out of his day. Thanks, Conwell. Thanks so much, Kripman, and thanks so much for having me. I think it's a great initiative that you've started here um, with the podcast and I'm um, looking forward to hearing um, you know, many more future episodes. Um, and I understand that you know, today has been quite rushed and haven't been able to go through a lot of specifics with you guys, but you know, if you have any questions, you're always welcome to approach myself or any of the other Uh, residents or registrars with any um, more advice. Definitely. And that's what we've been saying here at RMOA. Working at Blacktown and Mount Druitt is actually a very open, good, positive work culture where everyone is approachable. So if you need more guidance and assistance, we're more than happy to help. Um, If you guys really enjoyed this, give us, us, um, I guess, send us a message through and we'll see if we can get more, some more pediatric podcasts up and running um, and I think this is, this is a very good foundational introduction to pediatrics. So thanks, Carmswell. Thank you. Thank and, you. Um, thanks, guys. And we'll see you on the next podcast. See you later, everyone.